Good morning, everyone. What a beautiful, beautiful pre-summer day. And, uh, well, I can't wait out, can't wait to get out and work in the yard. I spent most of my day yesterday working in the yard. It was a great Father's Day uh, gift to work out in the yard. And so, uh, looking forward to doing that after we're done. I got lots and lots and lots of notes of encouragement, but just real quickly, uh, Monday night is on and uh, Wednesday night is on at the Compton Place and 7 o'clock and uh, Thursday night is on, so if I haven't been told different, and uh, Sunday evening is going to be here tonight unless uh, it's 110 degrees in the building, which who knows, it might be that, so that ought to be fun. So here we go. Jake. That was a really dank lesson on Wednesday night. You had to go to the lesson to hear it. But anyway, really dank, man. Really proud of the work you put in. Love you, brother. Hang tough. There you go. That's a great one. I guess dank means really awesome. So it's not what I thought it always meant. I meant smelly. All right. Uh, Lawson Halstead. I am so glad that you are in our Bible class. You are going to do great things for Christ and his kingdom. All right, that's awesome. All right, Bill, your willingness to help with both physical and spiritual needs despite your full schedule is such a huge blessing. So many lives and impacted in so many ways because you choose to put Christ and others first. Thank you. Jacob, what a blessing and encouragement your, ser- your servant's heart is. Uh, We are so thankful for your lessons, your honest heart, and your desire to help others. All right, there you go. How many think he does a great job teaching? Woohoo! All right. Man, I'm telling you what, his first prayer meditation freaks me out. I was like, wow, where did he get that one? He didn't get it from me. He's a lot more calm, cool, and collected and gets the information out. And then when he did his lesson last Wednesday, it was fantastic, so... Elijah, your work ethic and diligence are not going unnoticed. What a fantastic example you are. Where did he go? Uh Uh-oh. Okay, there we go. Jeff, so thankful for your focus and love of God and his word. Thank you for your willingness to teach uh, and serve and to do it even though your cows are all over Lane County. Man, that's a a big testimony because I know how that can drive you crazy. All right, Ryan, so thankful for you and your attitude and perseverance. Your desire to do what is right makes you shine. There you go. <laughs> hey, man, receive it. Wear it well. Bill Compton, so thankful for my spiritual father in Christ. Your life and attitude for Christ is such a great example. A letter of Christ for me and my family to read. Your whole family are such great examples of living for Christ. So appreciative of you, the leader you are. So in Christ's love each and every day. Amen. Thank you. So thankful for Blake, for being a man of growing faith and faithfulness. May you continually grow into the leader, not only of your family, but also in the family of God. There you go for Blake. Awesome. Very, very good. Well, I got a couple of clipboards here. And in light of time, I'm let me pass them around and just make them go around. You got... Clipboard for cleaning the building, the clipboard for the dinner for six coming up in a month sometime near you. So, there you go. So, last week I ran out of time, and so we're going to finish our lesson. And I've been stewing on the lesson 
that I was going to do today, last week, the second part. And the first part's very, very important. Love that never fails, as it says in point number one, is a love that's going to endure no matter how tough the going gets. Now think about that for just a minute. You know, Jesus Christ is that perfect example of enduring love. You know, how many of us would have gone to the cross for people that hated us? You know, that's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to do the right thing for those who we say we love. And sometimes it's hard to do the, the right thing, the good thing, the thing that's needed for those whom we actually do love. And yet Jesus was willing to give his life for those who hated him. Because some of them, some of them would become uh, his children. And so that's amazing love. That's a love that never fails. And you know, oftentimes we hear people say, all you need is love. Usually that's in a romantic setting. Let me tell you, the feelings can go away pretty fast. And so that kind of love is not the love that's enduring. The enduring love is a verb. Enduring love is an intentional choice to sacrifice yourself for the beloved. And so the love that never fails is the love that's going to be mere image of Jesus Christ's love for you and I. As you all know from the book of Matthew in chapter 5, Jesus said in the, in the last verse of chapter 5, Therefore, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The context is loving your enemy as God has and continues to love his enemies, though they may not ever receive him in obedience and become his children. He loves them because he created each one unique and distinct. And so he loves you right now, wherever you're at. And his heart's desire is that you'd come to know him better than where you are right now. And so it's important for us to recognize that's the heart we need to have in order to endure those difficult times. Many of you know that Sharon and I, about eight years in our marriage, had some really tough, difficult times. And that's where, you know, all you need is love. No, actually you need to crucify yourself, stop being selfish, and live for the other person. And it was very difficult uh, on Sharon's part and on my part. And I'm not trying to point fingers or anything. But the reality is Jesus Christ selflessly laid his, his life aside. And so... We need to have that as the starting point for what we're about to share today. So that was my introduction for point number one, just a review. But let's now open in a word of prayer and then read the scriptures and then jump right into point number two. Father, I'm thankful for the rich blessing of the example that you gave, the example of your love, being willing to send your son into the world, knowing full well that he was going to be mercilessly crucified the most most painful way to die and that he would be the sin bearer he would bear the sins of all the world those who hated you and you did that father out of love for mankind your heart's desires that none should be lost all should be saved the scripture teaches that very clearly and so father i pray that you would help us to realize that in the future, when things get very difficult for us 
to remain faithful, we must remain faithful. When it's very difficult for us to love, we must, if we bear the name Christ, love as your son Jesus Christ loved. Now, Father, help us to realize that love really is the premier cornerstone foundational uh, part of perseverance. We're not going to persevere in anything if we don't love. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to see that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you'll, you'll take your note sheets, if you have them, and turn to the second page up at the top, it says, Will we fail to love? Will we fail to love? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. That's a good question because will we fail to manifest the love of Christ as it's spoken here in 1 Corinthians 13? If it's easy now to love, what's it going to be like when it's difficult? If it's easy now to, to work on developing these character qualities, what's it going to be like when the pressure is really on? And there's fear all about us in regards to things that are going on. Now is the time to work to develop these character qualities of love for each other and those who are not yet his. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a, a clanging cymbal. Now, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Now love is patient, and love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. The love of God will never fail. If you have the love of God in you, you will continue to love and serve him no matter how difficult it gets. We don't have to look too far back in church history to realize that there were great examples of people who were mistreated unjustly and, and horribly, brutally punished, and yet they were willing to not hold a sin against somebody. Stephen is a great example. He did nothing wrong. He, in fact, told the Jewish leadership the truth that they needed to hear, and yet they stoned him to death. And in his very last few breaths, he asked God to forgive them and not hold that sin against them, following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Now, the apostle Paul thrown in prison unjustly, and yet he was not angry. He was not screaming and yelling and, and calling foul play. No, he was singing praises to God. And he was able to immerse that very jailer who had thrown him into the inner prison, because he continued to love God and praise God no matter what the circumstance he found himself in. Now, why are those scriptures written? Why are those true accounts of people's lives given to us that we can see them? Because here are human beings that were able to love the unlovable, 
able to power through because of their faith and their hope and their love in Jesus Christ. So as we take a look at this passage, Matthew in chapter 24 today, it's important for us to recognize throughout your life, you're going to have choices during the difficult times to love. And it's when in those difficult times that you give up, remember, you didn't love like Jesus loved. It was maybe a form of love, but it wasn't the love of Christ and it wasn't the love for Christ. We need to develop that now when it's easy. Because right now, it's really easy. The challenges are not that difficult. And so look at Matthew in chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 4. Jesus answered and said to his disciples, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, uh, uh, for these things must take place, but that it is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom uh, against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and, and uh, earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now verse 9 through verse 13 are very important. Or verse 14. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and will be hated by all the nations because of my name. That at, at, at that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Now that is talking about what's going to happen, what's going to happen up to 70 AD and including 70 AD at the destruction of Jerusalem. But there's a little phrase there I find that's very important. Look with me again at this phrase in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. The Jewish people did not proclaim the name of Jesus. They did not proclaim Jesus as Lord, as King of Kings, as the one and only true sovereign God. Who is the ones who proclaim Jesus as the one and only true sovereign God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords? It's the church. It's the church. Might there be a time of a terrible suffering for the church? Well, Revelation says that at some point in time in the future, and no one knows the day or the hour, and really I don't think anybody knows uh, really when, but sometime in the future, all the armies of the nations will be brought together by the power of Satan to surround the church. Now, Christians have been martyred since the beginning of the church. We should not go, well, all is good, because we are a much more evolved, uh, intelligent species now. Uh, the 21st century has been the most violent and lawless of all centuries. So it's important for us to understand that your love of Christ and the, Christ, the love of Christ in you for others is going to be tested. 
It probably already has been tested. Now, once again, I know my wife is okay when I share this, but eight years into our marriage, my love for Christ was tested and her love for Christ was tested. Were we going to love more Christ more than the challenges we were facing in our marriage? So many people say, no, I'm done. You're actually saying, God, I don't want to love like you anymore. I can't do this. I'll go find somebody else. Well, really, the problem is your love or lack of love for Jesus Christ in the hard times. So it's important for us to recognize what he's talking about here. It says that the love will grow cold. The love will grow cold. Verse 12, in your lesson plans. That literally means love will be cooled by blowing on it. Now, how many ever, when you're a little kid, your mom taught you how to cool off your soup by sticking your spoon in there? How many ever remember that? Or you'd say, Mom, just put an ice cube in there, okay? Yeah, see, Mom put an ice cube in there. But you would blow on your soup. So you'd what? Cool it down. There's a spirit that's going to cool the love of Jesus Christ down, and it's the spirit of lawlessness and fear. That's what's going to cool the love of Christ down. And so when I looked up that word in, in the Greek, it means to chill or wax cold, to reduce temperature by, evapor by evaporation. And I thought, reduce temperature by evaporation. I wonder if our love will evaporate when the difficult times come. Will dissipate. Because that's what to fail means. It means to dissipate, to falter and fail. I wonder if our love will falter and fail when the difficult times come. It did not for Jesus. It didn't for Stephen. It didn't happen that way for Timothy or the Apostle Paul. What about you and me? That's a choice that we individually need to make. I love marriage because it's allowed Sharon and I to grow in our love for God and our commitment to do what's right, even though there's challenges. And you know, Sharon and I will both attest that the difficult times were because we were selfish. We were selfish. One or both of us, usually both of us, were selfish. Love does not seek its own. Christ Jesus did not seek his own. And so it's important to recognize and understand, brethren, it's only the love of Christ that's going to help you to power through. If your faith is there, if your hope is in Christ, the love of Christ will help you to power through. Now is the time to develop that love of Christ. Because what if God were to say, okay, I am going to put Bill through a very similar experience as the Apostle Paul and see if his love will stand the test. Remember James chapter 1 and verse 12? Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For when he has been tested and he's proved faithful, he'll receive the crown of life. So everything that good is going to be tested, brethren, to see if it's real. And so I pray that you and I will work on developing that kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a powerful passage in, as a litmus test to check ourselves. Am I selfish? Am I rejoicing in unrighteousness? Am I unforgiving? 
or do I forgive? Am I bearing all things, the difficult things? Am I enduring until the end? All those things are critical litmus tests about your love. And you can test yourself, and that's what God wants you to do. But the question is, what's going to cause our love to grow cold? What caused the love of God to grow cold in the hearts of those that were entrapped within the city of Jerusalem? By the way, we're the new Jerusalem, aren't we? And notice it says that the camp of the saints is going to be surrounded by the armies of the world. Once again, like the armies of Rome surrounding the beloved city of Jerusalem, so the beloved city of God, the family of God, will once again be surrounded by those who are of the earth, moved and empowered by the devil. What happened to them in old Jerusalem? I won't say because it's so too gross to say. But those people were all Jewish people. And the love of those people grew cold. It's important for us to recognize that as Christians, we have the spirit of God, the spirit of love in us. And we have the word by which we can grow and become strong in faith and hope and love. But now is the time, more than any other, to work on developing that kind of love. So let's look back now and take a look. What was it that caused the love of many to grow cold? Verse 9, Then they will deliver you to tribulation. The, the time of tribulation has begun already in regards to the church. It started in the first century. And it's been going on for many centuries. Notice it says here, it says, they will deliver you to tribulation. They will kill you. Christians have been consistently killed over the years in many different countries by governments that wanted to shut the church down. You'll be hated by all nations. Well, that's happening right now in many forms and degrees. And we're hated because of the name of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that you can talk about God in Eugene every time, anytime, anywhere? You can talk about God, no problem. Because in Eugene, there are millions of gods. They would probably ask you, now which god are you talking about? Gaia is a huge god in the Northwest. If you know anything about Gaia, Gaia is uh, pantheistic. It's the worship of the creation, the worship of Mother Nature. It's the worship of trees. It's the worship of, of water. It's the wor it's, that's what Gaia is. And that's big in the Northwest, isn't it? So we can talk about God. But when you name the name Jesus, all of a sudden, the hair on the back of people's heads stands up. No, because Jesus depicts for us a standard of life by which all humans will be judged. He's the prototype. And that's why the name of Jesus causes people to get their hackles up. But you know... It's by the love of Christ that we can show them that what they have been taught is not what is true. So as we take a look at this, it's not just those things, but following verse 9. At that time, many will fall away. Fall away from what? Fall away from the faith. One of the cornerstones of perseverance. Uh, and betray one another and hate one another. Many of you know that in Belarus, <clears throat> they still have KGB. They still have KGB in Belarus. 
And so it's important for us to recognize and understand that these kinds of concepts of being betrayed by others still is happening. When the Iron Curtain was up, people would talk about the West, about what we have, privately with their blinds pulled, whispering in an inner room because the walls were very thin so no one would hear. You see, it's, it's unthinkable that that could happen. But I heard a radio, radio commercial just the other day. The radio commercial went something like this. If you see something or hear something, call the police. If you see something or hear something out of the unusual, call the police. Well, they're kind of programming us. They don't tell us what the unusual is. Pretty soon they'll begin to tell us what the unusual is. Once we know what the unusual is, prayer, speaking of God, having a standard of righteousness. Well, if you hear something or see something, tell the authorities. That program has been going on for quite a long time since, since the, the Twin Towers came down. Now, they're talking about terrorism, right? But who defines what terrorism is? Who defines what terrorism is? The civil authorities. We need to recognize and understand, brethren, that what we're reading here has happened and still could happen even here. So we need to develop the love of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I sure do love it when someone shows me the love of Jesus Christ. Who made the cookies, by the way? Jamie made the cookies. Thanks, Jamie, wherever you are. See? So going back to the lesson, though, many false prophets will arise and mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. This is a picture of endurance, brethren, that God has so lovingly given us so that we would have a right perspective for life potentially in our future. Again, we may all pass away before the Lord comes back. We might all, there might be several generations that come and go. We don't know. But for this generation, we need to grow the love of Jesus Christ to draw more people in. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. We've read it before. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one, an eternal one, I might add, in the heavens. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have become, when you have over, when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So here's my call to action. My call to action is examine your love based upon a very simple litmus test. You have 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with some very specifics. But go with me now to the book of Revelation in chapter 3. 
In the book of Revelation chapter 3, we see Jesus speaking to one of the churches. Verse 15 and 16. Jesus says to the church at Laodicea, the last of the seven churches, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So here's what I want you to do. So I want you to ask yourself, are you red hot for the Lord in loving his people and loving those who are not yet his people? Are you red hot? Are you giving it your all? Are you living your, living your life selflessly? Are you forgiving? Are you bearing up? Are you continuing faithfully in every moment? Well, if you're like me, and I'm not putting this on you, if you're like me, I'm, I fall short. But what does God say here? Jesus, the great judge. He says, you need to really be red hot in your service for the Lord. Now, some kind notes were wrote, wrote, written about me. <laughs> Man, I'm glad I'm not an English teacher. And that's very kind. But the reality is, is I have to examine myself in the face of Christ. That's the standard. And so I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do to manifest that, that red hot love for Christ and for his church and for those who are not yet Christians. There are some simple ways to manifest love just by sacrificing some time. What would it be to clean the building or work around the yard or being willing to step up and do a, a lesson, serving in Bible classes. You know, those things are a part, but they're not really the whole. The whole is how you treat your family at home. That's a part of showing the love. Treating each other, that's a part of showing the love. And then how you treat those outside, that's showing the love. Why did God give us specific examples of men who went through great suffering and yet still manifested a forgiving heart, a loving heart, a desiring heart that those people might become Christians. Why? For us. So that we can see how we are to live. So that we would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Brethren, I think it's critically important that the church really begin to individually take the responsibility to read, study, and embody the love of Christ. And so, brethren, let's commit ourselves to that individually and then work together collectively to grow the church and to reach out to those who are not yet his. Amen? Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, I pray that you would help me. Help me, dear Heavenly Father, to examine my life. Help me to question my motives. Help me to use the standard of your word to question my motives. 
to, to question why I do what I do, to question those things, Father. And then, Lord, help me to use your word to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I might manifest in a greater way, in a more perfect way, the love that you've called me to. It's simple. It's day by day, word by word, deed by deed. I can make a choice to do that from love or to do that from some other motivation. Help me, dear Heavenly Father, I pray. Be the man that you've called me to be, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up. And uh, what did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.